Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Back to the sports complex on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm your host, Patrick Davis. Got a big show for you today. Some players from the UT spoke to the media to AD Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Devondre Sweat. We'll play some audio from that. Talk some Texas football. Get into a lot of Cowboys. Mike McCarthy talking. We know that there's cuts coming up. Who's going to be the standouts? What he feels about the rookies. All of that coming up. A little bit more NFL news. Some clips from Hook 'em Up. Hook 'em Up, the new show, the new name of the show here with Ian Rod B. In the mornings, we'll play you some of that. Patrick's big fat poll of the day. Uh, we'll keep you up to date with what's happening in the MLB. And of course, we'll address the two big pieces of UT news that came out today, which is Brett Yormark saying some crazy things and Sark saying who his favorite artist is, uh, musical artist is, which uh, I think was a bit surprising for some of us. Remember, you can join the conversation. Specs text line, 512-337-3776, 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line if you want to join the conversation with us right here on the Sports Complex all show long. We're here until 7 o'clock today, keeping it rolling. As we said, we'll get to some Sark or some player audio from the Longhorns in just a minute, but let's start off with just the Brett Yarmark thing, which happened, uh, which I believe my man Joe Cook posted a uh, friend of the show, Joe Cook, posted a couple of uh, an hour or so ago, and it started to get out of what Brett Yarmark said. He was at a meeting in Lubbock. I don't know if with who it was with. It was with donors or players or or who it was. I'm assuming it was a a donors and and fancy whatever dinner or meeting with these guys. Here's Brett Yarmark, uh, just kind of taking an offhand remark at a uh, Texas and OU. In addition, candidly, we were able to get Texas and Oklahoma out a year early. That was a big deal for us, and I think all of you, okay? And coach, I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but I'm going to be in Austin for Thanksgiving, okay? And you better take care of business like you did right here in Lubbock last year. So that's Bray Mark talking to the Lubbock people. So he's pandering. He's pandering, and I'll tell you the A number one sign we can tell he's pandering, because hey, we were able to get, we were able to get Oklahoma and, and Texas out of here a year early. You could have had uh, two years early if you wanted to. You could have easily done it. You were the one who chose not to because you wanted to get paid out, which I get. It's the right business decision. It's the right decision for for TV viewing. It's the right decision for everything to keep Texas and OU for as long as you could. 
And then you said we have some other teams coming in. We are trying to rebuild, and I feel we're in a place we can do it now so you guys can go on ahead. But this is all just pandering to a Lubbock crowd of people who hate the Longhorns. And by the way, they don't want the Longhorns out of the Big 12. They want to play the Longhorns every year. They want to beat the Longhorns because playing the Longhorns and having the Longhorns as a rival makes Texas Tech relevant. It makes Texas Tech something that they're not if their biggest opponent is in the new Big 12. If it's Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or if it's TCU, it does not make Texas Tech as viable in the national conversation. In recruiting, it's harder to negative recruit against another school than it is against Texas because Texas, you can point out everything because it's on a it's been broken down on a microscopic scale. So we know he's just pandering. And the big uproar is that everybody knows, well, if you if this is who the referees work for, if this is who they report to is the Big 12 commissioner, and he's saying, go ahead and beat them every single game, they're getting out of here. I, I don't think it's as bad as that. I'm not as worried about the refereeing. We're not going to get certain calls like holding and stuff like that. We didn't get it last year. I don't know if we'll get it this year. But if we want to stick to our no, all-gas, no-excuses tour, then you know we're going to have to play teams with with officiating that may be questionable at points. And and not every call may go Texas' way. And in a close game, things may may end up a little screwy sometimes in your eyes. In my eyes, whoever's eyes. But I, I this is a all-gas, no excuses. And that means for fans, too. That means you cannot sit and say, well, we would have been national champions if that break your mark. That Brett Yormark didn't screw us. We would have, we would have been, a, we would have been national champion. That that's not an acceptable thing because everybody has to play through the referees. And, and look, I, I love the fact that again, no one wants to hate Oklahoma. Oklahoma's not as, and we we hate Oklahoma, but no one else has. It's because it doesn't. People don't care, even though they've won more Big Twelve championships. They're still not blamed for leaving the Big Twelve. There's still no one cares that they're really leaving. They care about Texas. They always have. They always will. And when we're gone, Texas Tech's still going to be talking about Texas for years to come. No one else in the Big 12, they'll be talking about Texas. Brett Yarmark knows that, and he's pandering. So, you know, if the refereeing starts to get real bad, then yes, we can, we can discuss it then. But right now, it's just a, it's a thing to come out and say, and it shows you where Brett Yarmark is in the Big 12. If you're having to pander in Lubbock, I'm glad we're not in that we're not in that conference. I'm glad we're moving out of the conference that is pandering in Lubbock. Because if that's what you're aiming to have one of your big schools, and I like Joey McGuire and what he's done there, but I that's not one of that's not one of the fan bases and schools that I say I want this to be headed our 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 face of the new conference. That's not where I would go. Uh, another quick note before we get too far into it. Uh they did release a list. So I pull it up here on my phone. The Athletic Network put out a list of the Big 12 coaches' favorite musical artists. And uh, Texas Texas wins. Starks wins hands down. It's Tupac wins hand down. Hands down, Tupac is the best name. But there's one that's close, and there's one that's right with it. What I'll say is just as good. And we look, Iowa State, Matt Campbell, Van Halen. I love, I love Van Halen. So I, I'll give you credit for that. A couple of Dave Matthews bands, which I – come on. Come on, guys. But Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy? Mike Gundy's favorite artist is Prince? Did he learn this in one of the classes he had to take because he said something stupid 
Is that where Mike Gundy learned about Prince? It doesn't seem right, does it? If you said Mike Gundy and you you were picking out what artist to play for Mike Gundy and you put on Prince and watched him do the whitest dancing you've ever seen, because that's all I can imagine, with a mullet, you would never expect that he would not be the one saying Zach Bryan or George Strait or one of those guys. I Props to, props to Sark. And I, I know that I worked a uh, Longhorn Weekly, I think his first year in Texas. And one of the fan questions to Sark was, uh, what's the best concert you've seen? And I don't know if it was seen in last year or five years or recently or what I was phrased, but what was one of the best concerts you've ever seen? And his response was Coldplay. And uh, it made a lot of us take a step back. And I know some people say Coldplay puts on a great show, but Coldplay was not the band that I would say I want my head football coach to say is the best concert he's seen. So this re- this this gives me more hope that Sark is – has grown up in the program, and he feels comfortable saying, no, Tupac's my favorite. Uh, I don't go see many concerts because I'm into, I'm into more into the hip-hop. and uh, So I, I'm for it. I'm very much for it. Let's get to some player audio. And we're going to try and get through as much of this can, as we can throughout the show. Uh, we're going to start off, and I'm going to start this off. I have called this man A.D. Mitchell since he's transferred. It's very easy to say. But when asked today about what he likes to be called. Let's start off so I can properly refer to him for the rest of the show and then try and do it for the rest of the season. But for all the fans who, look, we, I want to consider us fans. You know, you want to make as close as you can. This is what he says he wants on TV, which I assume TV transfers to radio. I'm not in a personal relationship with him. Here's, here's well, Mr. Mitchell about what he wants to be called. Okay. Uh, I appreciate you asking me that. <laughs> so on TV... Oh, you know, they be kind of messing up my name a little bit. But on TV, I like to, like, while the game is playing, I like to be called by my name, Adonai, A-D-O-N-A-I. It's pronounced Ad-N-I. If you think about it like that, it's a little easier. But, like, just around the guys, like, I know I know everybody ain't going to call me Adonai. So, I mean, A-D cool for sure. I'll answer the both. A-D-O-N-A-I. Adonai. He prefers to be called Adonai during the games. He prefers to be called Adonai. And he knows not everybody will do it. He's he's accommodating. We'll get into nicknames here in a little bit. But Adonai is what he wants to be called. So I'll respect, because I want Adonai Mitchell to have a great year at Texas. So I'll respect what he wants to be called. And we will refer to him from here on out as much as I can remember to do it. I'm trying. I will try. Adonai Mitchell. Adonai Mitchell was asked about the similarities and what he's seen because he's played at Georgia, played on a national championship team. So that was a topic of conversation throughout. He answered it a couple different times, but the same the answer was pretty much the same every time. Of what was a similar what did he see that was similar to what they had at Georgia that made him feel like this is a team that has the championship culture? Here's what Adonai Mitchell had to say. Um starting it off with connection. Um, you know, they the guys, especially over fall camp, you know, we got a chance to buy, get get a lot closer than where we were back in the spring. So, you know, I feel like everything is really coming together. So I guess, and I'm, this may be something that he can't tell you this early in the season, uh, too many of the, well, in this game we did this and that's what took me there. But something he mentioned throughout the press, throughout his media availability was this team is very close and how close they were able to get through spring and fall, and and at one point he talks about it being in spring practice and not knowing everybody's name, and then making a point 
for him personally and for the team to make a point so everybody knows who everybody is. So when you're on that sideline, everyone is congratulating everybody and everyone is talking to everybody. And in any successful venture, communication is key. And if you see something on a if you see something that's happening and you're a wide receiver and you see something that a wide receiver on the other team is doing, and you can see and you can see, oh, he's tipping. Every time he lines up, and if he bends this way, then it's going to be a fly route. And if he bends this way, he's going to have to do a cut. And this is where he wants to push here. And this is where it's a run play. And I can see because I know I kind of did something like that. And I can tip. Now, if you can see that and you don't know all your defenders and you don't know everyone on your team the same way, you may have to, you may not tell them. You may not feel comfortable going up to a coach and telling them, hey, watch out what that wide receiver is doing. You may not feel comfortable going up to the other players and saying, watch what that guy is doing. If you feel more comfortable as a team, just little pieces like that of communication that could be on anything, uh, of a defender being able to know to walk up to you and tell you a similarity, tell you that he's not able he's not able to cross his feet and he can't move his hips right, so you need to bust on him. All of those things are possible if you have enough communication, and that's something that this this coaching staff has really aimed to do for this Texas team is bring them together and make them feel as if they're a large family and they can continue to talk to each other, which brings communication on the sideline to another level, which is something very important if you want to get to that next level. Another question asked was about Adani Mitchell or Adonai, Adonai Mitchell. Sorry, I got to get it down. Adonai Mitchell was about the wide receiver room and the wide receiver depth. Uh, we know Sark said that there would be three wide receivers that he says, which Jordan Winnington, Xavier Worthy, and Adonai Mitchell, uh, that are the top three, and who is everybody else and where they fit. This is what Adonai Mitchell had to say about that. I'm, I'm not going to lie. We we have a very talented role. You know, we we all compete to make each other better. You know, it's not just it's not just one guy or two guys. You know, we all collectively put in the work, and we collectively want to, you know, we we all, we, we going to do something. <laughs> And this is this is shared. We'll play Xavier Worthy in a minute talking about the same thing. But that this wide receiver room is pushing each other, that they're all going, and we can tell from scrimmages and practices, there is three top guys. That Xavier Worthy is playing, and here's here's Adonai Mitchell talking about Xavier Worthy to get that point. Oh, that boy that boy different. Like the way he can the way he could turn it from zero to a hundred in like two steps. Like it's 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 not it's not guys that could do that and I personally can't. So, you know, he he he's special. Uh, like. So we know Xavier Worthy is the number one. And and they'll tell you that in the room, that Xavier Worthy is the guy. He can do special things. He's going to be number one. We know seeing how much Sark threw to him last year that he was going to be the number one guy. But we have to see now how does it fall down and where are we going to be able to use. And it goes further into short-range passing and that mid-range passing where Jordan Whittington can be super effective in there. And not only catching passes, but also blocking downfield once you get that pass and set Jordan Whittington upright. And so between those three, and then you're really sitting at, I mean, I'd say he's number two or number three receiver for real, is JT Sanders. Here's Adonai Mitchell on JT Sanders. Oh, definitely. Um, JT, he's he, he's a he's an unselfish player and, and a leader. So, you know, he's he, he's not just a one-dimensional tight end that'll just catch the ball. Like, he'll go and put his face and hands on somebody. And that, that, that definitely sets him apart. And just the leadership, 
Like, he, he's a guy who always, like, every time I'm on the field with him, he always demands excellence. Like, you drop a pass, he, like, he, he'll pick you up instead of, you know. That's a great soundbite from, from Adonai Mitchell about JT Sanders talking about he'll pick you up, which is he is becoming a real leader on this team and solidifying himself as I feel the number two receiver on this offense right now. Adonai Mitchell could be fighting for that, especially if he gets the deep balls and starts to work on those types of things. He could get in that role as well. But JT Sanders, what he can do, and in that mid-range passing that is going to be so vital to opening it up, because we know Sark will throw it deep. We know he's got the playbook to throw it deep. We know he has the wide receivers now to throw it deep. We know Quinn Ewers has the arm to throw it deep. Now, if he can make the reads, if his footwork is there, if he's gotten the, the chemistry down with the wide receivers, that that's yet to be seen. But then we know the arm is there for Quinn Ewers to put it deep. All of the deep ingredients are already in the pot. So now you say, well, can you get the run game going? Can Cedric Baxter and can Jonathan Brooks, can they get the run game going enough to push linemen towards the top? You have the deep game that can push everybody back and open up that space in the middle. That's where Texas is going to be aiming to go and needs to be aiming to go. I can't say whether they will be or not, but that's where he's been where he needs to aim to go. Because if Texas can get into the period the point of opening up that middle and just picking up first downs and having consistency even if the yards after catch doesn't turn out to be a ton. If you have guys like Jordan Whittington and JT Sanders who can now open up because they're getting those inside passes in the third and fourth quarter, which is what we talk about again and again, that third and fourth quarter where Sark has had issues moving the ball, keeping the ball on the offensive end, being able to keep the offense on the field, let the defense get some rest. If he's able to open up that mid-range passing game, and you have a guy like Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy eating out of that mid-range game, and then they can both go deep, and JT Sanders is just eating all day in that mid-range passing. Keelan Robinson popping out and taking little five-yard routes that he takes 16, 17 yards over and over again. Those are the passes you want to see. Guy who can do that as well, Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy, we knew his freshman year in space, could be deadly. He spoke to the media today as well, and he was asked a similar question about who is the fourth wide receiver, who do you take? If we talk about a wide receiver depth, we know that JT Sanders is in that group, but he's not listed as a wide receiver, so we say George Whittington, Adani Mitchell, Adonai Mitchell, and you're himself, Xavier Worthy, who's the number four wide receiver? Here's what Xavier Worthy had to say. Really, like our whole room, like we just strive to be the best in the room. We all compete against each other every day with each other. So it's just having fun with. I feel like anybody can step in and just be that fourth receiver for it. So that it and it falls in. Who's a fourth receiver? Which is technically the fifth receiver because we're putting JT Sanders in there. You don't need to have the fourth receiver be great. I think what everybody's really looking for is who is going to be that consistent deep threat. Is Isaiah Nayor going to be that consistent deep threat? Can Jontae Cook be a consistent deep threat? Is Nablet one of the rookie, one of the freshmen? Can he can he be a deep? Who can be a deep threat for Texas that can stretch the safeties and pull everybody back and open up that mid range 
to really let some of these guys who are really, really good get some space and do what they do. Xavier Worthy was also asked on something else of what he's improved the most. And this seems to be a message a lot of players have really taken a, a taken to heart from Sark. And I think it's something because Bijan and Roshan left, Sark really pushed some of his becoming veteran players to do. Here's Xavier Worthy on what he, he's improved the most. Um, I'll say matured. How so? Um, just being mature and like just seeing little things, just not focusing on everything else. I feel like that just helped me evaluate my that. Sark has pushed for a growth of some of these young players like a JT Sanders or an Xavier Worthy to really, or even a Quinn Ewers, to have to take that next level of maturing as you are now the leaders of this team. And if you are worried about every little thing that you're doing and worried about every tiny thing and every drop becomes a problem, now everyone else on this roster is looking at you. And everyone on this roster is looking at you as the example that they want to follow. And you can't be freaking out over everything. You have to be looking at the bigger picture on some things and have that maturity. And it will help you become a bigger leader. And Xavier, and that's a message that we've seen with, with Quinn Ewers, whether it's cutting the mullet off, getting the haircut, whether it's his you know improving of talking to the media, which is still not great, but he's improving. Uh, just or being the vocal leader in practice, all of those things go into the maturity of having to grow up because the big brothers Bijan and Roshan now went on the league. Demarvion Overshawn went to the league. You lost some guys now that were really big, influential guys to the program. You have to now step up and be them. And one of the things Xavier Worthy talked about was bringing energy to practice. Yeah, I try to be um, all smiles and joking at practice, not have like a like a little dull practice. I want to have everybody like high spirits so we could just get, get the flow going. And, um, I just want to try to be that vocal leader. Sark wanted me to take over and try to be that vocal leader because obviously I'm older now. I played in his offense for a little while, and I feel like I'm taking on that role. Yeah, and that's part of it is a maturity to understand some of these guys, especially early in camp, they're worried about if they're going to get any playing time. They're worried about their spot on the depth chart. He's safe in his. So you have to bring energy. Javondre Sweat talks about it too. You have to loosen everybody up to go play the game. You talk about it pretty much in any sport. You need to be focused. You need to be, you need to be set in your, your eye on the prize. But at the same point, you have to be having some amount of fun and have some amount of looseness to, to make everything feel natural. Because when you're at your best is when you're just out playing. And when you feel when the game's coming easy – and you're not stre- every single play, and you're not getting overwhelmed with, oh, I incomplete. All right, second and second and ten now, and then the pass rush comes, and you got to ditch one off, and now it's third and ten, and now you're putting the world on your shoulders. You need to be a little bit looser, so when that first incompletion hits, you can now say, okay, all right, here we go. All right, this one I'm feeling good. Okay, I know, I know. And when that pass rush comes through, you know your check down immediately because you're feeling it, and you just you immediately you look. You don't go through your progression because you see the blitz, you see your guy, and you ditch the ball off because you're feeling it. And you're just feeling good and you're in the moment. That's what some guys that are trying to be leaders like Xavier Worthy are doing right now. One of the other things Xavier Worthy talked about was contested catches, which is for a guy his size, something you very much have to focus on. Is He knows, and he even says it in this clip, which we'll play, is you know I can run on the ball. Of course I can do that. 
the thing is being smaller. How can I go out and how he's worked on the contested catches? This is something as you get into year three of an offense or year three of a defense or year three of having the same coaches and being able to grow with your team, you're able to work on certain pieces. Here's Xavier Worthy talking about a piece of his game that he would like to add on. Um, I feel like that's kind of like one of the big focuses for me because I'm like a smaller receiver. Um, I feel like run, the under running under your catch is not that big of a problem for me. I feel like it's the contested catches, so I feel like I worked them out. What are some of the things you did to, to try to hold them? I'm getting hit with a bag while catching the ball, a lot of jump, a lot of jump balls, um, over the shoulders and stuff like that. So working on it, doing different drills, really getting used to it, and you're not going to be able to get into it fully until you get into the games because until you get hit, it's very hard to do any of it. But these are a lot of things Xavier Worthy's working on. We're going to move on for a second. I'm going to get back. We still have Tavondre Sweat sound. We have a couple of pieces from him as well that I want to get to. So we'll get to a little bit more uh, audio from the players coming up later in the show. We're going to keep it on Texas, though, as we get the Big Fat Poll of the Day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day today. I got a clip from Tavondre Sweat right here to set us up for what the Big Fat Poll of the Day is. No, I don't go by Big Lunch. Who told y'all Big Lunch? Dax told us that. Coburn? Nah, I don't go by Big Lunch. Go by Loafs. Okay. Loaf? Loafs. Talking about meat or bread? Meatloaf? <laughs> or Loafs. Yes, sir. There we go. That he's, Twandre Sweat is now Loaf, like Meatloaf. Uh, he mentions that Trill Carter is Trail Mix. There's some good nicknames on this Texas team. Of course, you got the, the natural like X-Man. What's the best nickname in the Longhorns this year? That is a big fat poll today. I want you to tell me. We need to get them. If we don't have nicknames, we can make some up. But who are the best nicknames on Texas this year that we can start getting pumped up for some of these players just because they got good nicknames? We know the D-line's always got some good nicknames. What's the best nickname on the Longhorns this year? Texas in 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776. What is the best nickname on the Longhorns this year? I don't know if it's Devondre Sweat with Loaf. I like Trail Mix for Trill Carter. What do you got for us? Texas in. Let us know. We'll put that up on social media at the end of the day for what is the best nickname on the Longhorns this season that we are just looking forward to calling as many times. And we know now, don't say A.D. Mitchell. Add, add, add an I. Add an I. That's what he says. He says, add an I. So that's what we're going to be saying for him. We're trying to say it. Just so I can remember it. What's the best nickname on the Longhorns this year? 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little NFL. We're going to uh, play a clip about the Ian Robbie talking about the Cowboys. We'll do all of that coming up right here on the Sports Complex, 1019 AM 1260, hornfm.com in the Horn app. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn.
back on the sports complex here on the horn playing waiting songs it's the theme of the week all week long just waiting for football just waiting and waiting it feels like we've been waiting forever but we get games that matter we'll give you a little preview of usc they're playing this weekend it's going to be a blowout but they're playing it's a game that matters we're going to watch it i know i'm going to watch it we're playing songs about waiting all week long. You can join the conversation. 512-337-3776 is a Specs text line. We were asking today, what is the best nickname of a Longhorn this year? Uh, some more options we will give you uh, is uh, they're now calling, apparently they're calling Colton Vosick Baby Bosa. That's a nickname for Colton Vosick is Baby Bosa. Uh, Christian Jones said that they gave Top Gun nicknames to everybody on the O-line. I don't know if they're still using them. But they call Kelvin Banks bankroll, Hayden Connor cornbread, Jake Major short, Jake Major short stack, Cole Hudson sprinkles, and Christian Jones hitman. Some solid, some solid Top Gun nicknames for you right there from the guys. So join the conversation. Five one two three three seven three seven seven six is the Specs text line. If you got a favorite nickname of a Longhorn player this year that you want to shout, or if you're going to want to make one up, you can make one up for me too. As long as I know who it is, if we can get it going. We can get we can get them cheering it at the at, at Daryl K Royal, then I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Let's do a little bit of NFL. Some quick hits on the NFL. Uh, some news. Chris Jones was asked. Someone asked Chris Jones on social media, I guess, uh, how long he was he was willing to hold out for for the Chiefs. He is currently awaiting a new contract. He wants to get paid. Everyone seems to want to get paid in the NFL. I get it. I get it. Uh, but they have asked him what it what point and how long he would be willing to hold out or when they could see him in a Chiefs uniform. And his response was week eight. That number doesn't mean anything to you. Week eight is the is the, the week that you have to show up by to get an accrued season, which means if he doesn't show up by week eight, even if he showed up later in the season, then uh, it would not count against, like he would still be under contract for another year. So he would not be able to get a, a year of accrued service for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. He needs to do that, so he will say, I will show up by week eight just so I make sure that it goes. But it's, uh, I believe, a $1.1 million paycheck a game that he is willing to willing to give up to stay n- unhappy for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's an interesting point of when you talk about cultures of team, the Andy Reid Kansas City Chiefs culture is a very sought-after culture in the NFL because it is – a very team-centric, we will win no matter what, we'll pay our guys. We've seen Travis Kelsey say that he is, Travis Kelsey say that he was okay taking not being paid as a top tight end or a top wide receiver money, even though he knows he could fight for it, but he's fine with it because he's just happy winning and, and all the extra benefits that that brings. Chandler Jones, not the same. Chris Jones, sorry. Chris Jones, not the same. Uh, and San Francisco. Came out today, Sam Darnold is named the number two quarterback in San Francisco, meaning Trey Lance has been dropped now to number three. And a lot of people are reporting on this in a sense that it is basically the beginning of the end for Trey Lance. I don't see them trading Trey Lance. I don't know if the value is there in a trade right now. I, You know, maybe if a team really needs somebody, but if you really need somebody, how much are you still giving up for a very unproven Trey Lance? I feel like this may be making it so public, really putting it out there that Trey Lance is the number three quarterback. Maybe something to send a message to him to spend the extra time. 
and I don't know, I'm not taking any shots that he's not taking extra time or not working hard right now, but if you want to try and encourage somebody to do whatever they can to become the best player they can, then you tell them that Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, and Sam Darnold, who came out in an interview and said he was seeing ghosts, they're both ahead of you in the lineup. You're clearly not figuring something out. You're clearly not learning what you need to be learning. You need to take a step back and focus completely on what you're doing. I feel like this may be more of a push for Trey Lance to see if they can get, because I believe he has two years left on his deal, that you can get something out of him if you go into another season or if you do need him later in the season. That's another point for the the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan has to be gun-shy of getting rid of any quarterbacks knowing how many his, his luck at quarterback the last few seasons. But I feel like this is something that they're going to try and push Trey Lance to be a better player and be a bigger, better factor in his practice, in his in his workouts, in trying to go out and on his own become a better player. I know he was coming off another injury, so he couldn't have the full offseason, but I think they want him to be further progressed. And for somebody who just basically has not played competitive football in, what, three, four years now? I mean, he hasn't really done much since pre-COVID. That's the last time he was really playing, and that wasn't even D1 football. That wasn't even, you know, top-of-the-line Power 5 football. So I think they're trying to send a message that he needs to step up his own game and how that's going to end is anybody's question is anybody's guess because we know that he could eventually say, well, then cut me or trade me. I'm not going to be here, which is silly because San Francisco develops quarterbacks great. Kyle Shanahan makes a great system for quarterbacks. All you need to do is is watch the same way that everyone else has gotten hurt there, and maybe you get your shot, and you could win a Super Bowl there. As a third-string quarterback, very possible you could win a Super Bowl in San Francisco. Uh, other news uh, in the Anthony Richardson trade, or Anthony, uh, Jonathan Taylor trade, excuse me. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, who has been told by the Colts he could seek a trade, they want a first-round pick or something equal to a first-round pick, which no one's going to give up. However, reports you keep hearing now keep saying that Jonathan that Jonathan Taylor is going to play is never going to play for the Colts again. That is the reports we keep hearing. So I don't know if that's spread from his agents and his management, Jonathan Taylor himself, but more and more repeat people are reporting that Jonathan Taylor is not likely to ever return back to the Colts. The problem is the decision and cuts and everything have to be made and the the point of he is now on the physically unable to perform list. If he does not get taken off of that list by Tuesday of next week, he will not be able he will have to go into at least a four game sit out for physically unable to perform. So it is coming up till Tuesday to see if they can do anything. I don't think the Cowboys should or will do anything. If they could, they, you know, if you could give up a third round pick for him, then yeah, every all day, every day. But a bunch of teams would. One of the teams to watch, though, is is if the ownership in Buffalo decides that's the guy, and I know they say they feel good with James Cook, but man, if you if you want to make a little bit of a difference and whatever you've been doing hasn't been working, and you're in a you're in a divisional rush now with Miami and with with New England and with the Jets now with Aaron Rodgers, I I don't know. They they probably have the draft capital. Maybe you could make that trade, and I I, I get it. I don't think Buffalo would do it either because they just don't like to run the ball except with a quarterback. Man, if you, you you can't let him go to my you don't want to let him to go to Miami. 
I, I don't know who's going to offer it for him. I don't know who's going to offer it, but it's the reports that he's basically saying, I'm never going to play for the, the Colts again. And most people believe him. That's what's surprising to me. All right. Ian Robbie, hook him up with Ian Robbie this morning. Talked about the Cowboys franchise quarterbacks. And I know a lot of you people, I'm not one of them, are Dak haters. I am not a Dak hater, but I know there's plenty of them out there. And about how, te- how the Cowboys have found their franchise quarterbacks. And it's a different way of thinking. Because if you are a Cowboys fan and you do not like Dak Prescott, and this season does not go according to plan, you have to start thinking about how your next quarterback could be in place. And now the other part would be Mike McCarthy is probably gone before a Dak Prescott but if Mike McCarthy's gone and they don't, I, do you have another one? Do you at least draft another quarterback at that point? And where do you take him? How do you get it? Here's Ian Robbie talking about it. Hook him up. Morning, uh, mornings, 6 to 11 a.m. right here on the horn. Here's Ian Robbie talking about Cowboys franchise quarterbacks. Let's talk about the Cowboys because I've noticed something on social media, and I even noticed it you know, years ago with Dallas Cowboys fans when it comes to their quarterback. What are you talking about? Romo before Dak or obviously Dak right now. Cowboys fans are hard on their quarterbacks. Have, have we have we actually talked about who Cowboys fans have been more critical of, Dak or Romo? Do you think the Cowboys fans were more critical of Romo or Dak? Because they were really critical of both. They've been really critical of both. The Cowboys fans, I would say even half Cowboys fans don't like the have not liked either of their starting quarter their last two starting quarterbacks. I feel like Cowboys fans have been more critical of Romo, but he was also more loved. So it went both ways. Nah, got more love ceiling was higher. Less yeah. of a middle ground. Yeah, that's a good point. You could add that. But yeah, no, nah, I could I could see that. Um, because Romo was I remember being a Romosexual and people being very critical of Romo at the time. Like this that Romo was Basically inadequate <laughs> was an inadequate starting quarterback in the NFL. And the re- the point I want to get to is that the Cowboys have really kind of put their fans in this position. And I'll kind of break down, uh, you know, where I'm coming from. I believe the Cowboys, because of their bad organizational habits and one of their bad organizational habits is they don't draft a lot of quarterbacks. They just have not throughout the years. They just don't operate like that. Uh, since 1999, uh, they are tied for the fewest quarterbacks drafted in the NFL since 99. Uh, they don't draft a lot because they've actually been really lucky considering that <laughs> uh, that essentially kind of general manager malpractice, in my opinion, by drafting so few quarterbacks over that two-decade time, two-decade-plus time span. And because of that, you know, they have almost lucked and forced gumped and stumbled their way into starting quarterbacks and franchise quarterbacks. And most franchises would probably be in a worse place right now if they had approached the quarterback position so irresponsibly like the, the, the Cowboys have. But the Cowboys, in my opinion, are the luckiest team in the NFL the last two decades plus when it comes to uh, the quarterback position. They just have been really lucky. Think about it. They had an undrafted free agent become a franchise quarterback. That's happened how many times? Twice in the modern NFL. Maybe Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner and yeah. Warren Moon. <laughs> you know, it, it just doesn't happen very often, the undrafted free agent becoming a franchise quarterback. Starting quarterback, yes, but not a franchise quarterback where you're building and constructing the whole organization around, face of your, your team. And then you go look at Dak, and Dak was a happy accident. 
You know what I mean? Well, they didn't expect Dak to be a starting quarterback. They drafted him in the fourth round. He ended up being behind Kellen Moore. Uh, Tony Romo gets hurt because he's fragile. He gets hurt, and then Kellen Moore gets hurt, and then the happy accident. He's Viagra, right? They thought it would be a heart medication. Turns out it also helps erectile dysfunction. You know what? It works better for erectile dysfunction. Let's go with that. That's Dak. <laughs> they didn't expect him to be, you know, the franchise quarterback, but he was doing pretty well in 2016. They decided, let's go with Dak. And, you know, I, it, it's fine. I, I think they actually have uh, found themselves a franchise quarterback. So I'm not I'm not a Dak hater and I'm not a Romo hater. I actually like both of those guys. I'm just kind of getting at to the the root and the genesis of the vitriol that some Cowboys have for Romo and or for Dak. There's a great Chris Rock bit. Second Chris Rock reference on the show today. Great Chris Rock bit. And you guys might remember this. He's talking about, and I don't agree with the Chris Rock bit, so ladies don't get mad at me. Uh, but he's talking about why uh, women in relationships and in marriages complain a lot. And uh, one of his takes is that your woman is complaining a lot. She's uh, always unhappy and she's always frustrated and she's always criticizing you because you're not her first choice. Simple. <laughs> you weren't her first choice. She had some other guy that, you know, they she messed that up and she's probably thinking about him and you were the guy she settled on. And that's why she's always complaining about you. That's Cowboys fans. I believe Cowboys fans believe they settled on Dak and settled on Romo. They never had the prince that was promised because the Cowboys never draft a prince that was from last one was Troy Aikman. Right? They don't draft quarterbacks really high so that the fans can, uh, the, the quarterbacks can ingratiate themselves to the fan base. And then you have the, uh, the projections and then you'll have the, uh, the, the predictions about, you know, how, when's this guy gonna ascend to being, you know, the franchise quarterback? You haven't really had that timeline with Cowboys. They're almost kind of shocked and awed by, oh, this guy ends up being our quarterback. And I think some Cowboys fans believe they settled on Dak and they settled on Romo. That they never went out of their way as a as a, a franchise to prioritize quarterback and go dr- draft or acquire what they believe is the best quarterback possible, and there you know maybe there is some uh, you know th- there could be some credence to that to that argument that the Cowboys their organizational habits, uh, one of them being that they don't draft enough quarterbacks, has really uh, had a psychological effect on the fan base in a sense, in a sense it's gaslit the fan base a little bit about the quarterback position. Well, and uh, around them. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round when they already yes. had Carson Wentz. Yes, exactly. You got yeah. Like, like you can yes. take a quarterback if you have a quarterback that maybe has a ceiling. <laughs> Nick Foles. You, Nick Foles. They drafted Nick Foles. <laughs> right. You can actually draft a quarterback who may actually be better. Yeah. It's which I like, think is what you know pragmatic Cowboys fans would say. Like Romo was Romo a miracle. Was a miracle <laughs> yeah. And he developed into a great player, but was he the best you could do? I mean, because people would have then we I've been on the radio the entire time that this was going on. Both yeah. these quarterbacks in the exactly. farewell, if you're gonna get rid of Romo, who are you gonna get? Well, you know, you can draft people Keep along the way because yeah. they might get better. <laughs> you might find the one. Uh same time, you're right. To go back all the way to Troy Aikman was the first pick of the draft and uh, the, the can't miss quarterback. That is the last time they've drafted a quarterback that high, without yeah. a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt, they just don't that, draft them high, and they don't don't draft a well, lot. Well, and who was in charge? That was Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> and then Parcells is Romo. And Parcells had and, you know, and, and was Sean Payton, right. right? That kind of thing. Yeah, but that's that's a that still wasn't Jerry Jones necessarily. Well, because because Parcells when he got there brought Vinny Testaverde with him, and then that's he got right. Drew Bledsoe uh, to try to man the ship, and then Romo emerged out of that and uh, became. I think Romo's probably more loved than Dak because Romo played on some really bad teams. Romo kind of carried some really not very talented Cowboys teams. I can see that. If you remember, you know, Dak Prescott came in and kind of took over a really talented team. 
O line was already built. O line was built. Zeke was in his prime. Or came into his prime. Yeah, Dez, Jay Witt. Yeah, they had some good squads. Jason and Witten, uh, yeah. you know, and now the because and, and now Dak is seen as the reason they can't get through San Francisco. Right? They can't get through the divisional round. We got everything else. And whether this is true or not, it's you. Dak's You're, holding us back. Dak's our Dak's our uh, ceiling. Yeah. And we, then this is the, the, the conventional wisdom. Now, now again, if, if in 2014, which was the Cowboys' best, I mean, 2014 is the best Cowboys team since this team. That's yes, on paper, agreed. That's, that's a, the Dez catch, the, the not Dez catch. catch, not None catch. catch yeah. <laughs> they win that game. Who knows? Romo's storyline might have been different because they may have gone to the Super Bowl that year. That team had six Pro Bowl, it's eight Pro Bowlers, five really? or six All yeah. Pros, and that was Romo's best year. Yeah, Demarco Murray led the NFL in rushing that year. Romo was an MVP conversation. Yeah, year. for sure. And so we'll see. Dak this year's got a lot of pressure. I mean, there's no question about that. This is this is his time. the The spotlight is on him, and the the team and the coach have made it pretty clear. Like we'll go as far as. He takes us. Yeah, and that's why they let Mike McCarthy call the plays now because last year they think Dak may be regressing. The fear is that he's regressing. Well, that's the 15 picks, and yeah, and uh, they they were. They, I think there's a there's a sense in the organization they want to play the style of play they did when Dak was out, the Cooper Rush four and one record mm. where they played low scoring games, let the defense win the ball game, don't make mistakes because if you have a great defense and the Cowboys on paper an, elite an elite defense, yeah. you don't need a great offense. You need an offense that's good enough. You just don't need to screw it up. Yeah. You don't need great. Low risk. It's kind of like the Chiefs, right? Your your offense with Patrick Mahomes is always going to be elite. And with Andy Reid. Your defense doesn't have to be great. Just don't be a liability. It's got to be good enough. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be good enough. Don't be a weakness. And so the Cowboys, that's their argument in a league that's more and more offensively driven. We'll see. But, it, yeah, it's going to come down to number four. It's going to come uh, down to number four. Last stat here before we uh, close out the conversation. The Cowboys – I'm sorry, sorry, Cowboys fans, for this stat. I know it's going to put you in a bad mood. Cowboys are the only franchise with two quarterbacks to play in three or more divisional round games without winning one. Ouch. You just don't – you know, and that, that's Romo and that's Dak. Yeah, well. Sorry, Ty. Ty was upset now. Yeah, well, he's never seen a winner. Uh, a exactly, great. and but they keep. That was that. If you think as a Cowboys fans, man, this seems to be. It seems like we're cursed. It just seems like there's a lot of pain, a lot of suffering that we always get to the same point and we can't get past it. Then you are right. That has never happened in the NFL in its history where a team with two quarterbacks gets to that same point so many times, and yet none of them, neither one of them, can overcome. Uh, well said. And, of course, one was an undrafted free agent, the other a fourth-round pick that was kind of an afterthought uh, on the draft board for the Cowboys that year. Those have become your franchise QBs in Dallas. Yeah. Not, not, it's, uh, it's always a fun way to look at the Cowboys when fans continually want to get rid of Dak and never have a solution of what to do next. And I'm sorry it's not Cooper Rush. I know everybody wants it to be Cooper Rush for some reason. You want Cooper Rush to all of a sudden be better than Tony Romo or Dak Prescott. It's not going to happen. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll start reading some of your texts. We're asking, what is the best nickname of a Longhorn this year? 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. Join the conversation. We'll read some of your texts. Coming back right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Back on the Horn. Back at the Sports Complex. Time to get to some of your texts here on this Specs text line. Uh, thanks for joining the conversation. We're asking you, what is the best nickname of a Longhorn this year? We know Tavondre Sweat came out and said that his was Loaf. 
We know he said that Troy Carter was trail mix. We have uh, Vasek is baby Bosa. We got some offensive linemen. I like it's quinning time. I don't know if it rolls off the tongue, but I like it. Jailbreak for Jay, Jay Brooks. I like it. I like that one. Jailbreak is a good one. If we can get those, if we can get more jailbreaks, that would be nice. Uh, we <laughs> asking, not an app guy ask, uh, if PUP list means personally unwilling to play. It does not. It does not mean that, but uh, it could. It could in the future. They need that list in the future. Uh, we did have a uh, enjoy your show. What is the opening music? Uh, it's actually a song from a local band from Dehebejeebies. Uh, the band is called Dehebejeebies. The song is called No Doubt. You can check that. And uh, some good stuff from our friend here that is an outsider looking. I'm not sure Dak is as good as Romo, but that's not saying a lot. Jerry doesn't spin on QB, though. I think Quincy Carter messed with Jerry's mind. Now he's like, nah. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Jones, that's a second-round pick, and that was right after Troy Aikman. If he is still hung up on that, if he is still hung up on Dak Prescott, or still hung up on Quincy Carter and not drafting a quarterback because one didn't work, he is missing the entire point of the quarterback drafting experiment. We, we saw we just talked about San Francisco. They traded up for the third pick to get Trey to Trey Lance, and they're already saying, "Okay, we can move on." You can't you can't sit on a quarterback too long. Sometimes you just have to move on. We're going to see that with at least one of the three quarterbacks. That get drafted. I'm hoping it's not C.J. Stroud, but one of the three quarterbacks drafted in the top four this year. I, it's very rare that all three of them is, are successful. So whether it's Bryce Young, he just isn't big enough to get it done, or if C.J. Stroud can never get past the mental part of the game, and you know he never he never gets quick enough in doing it. We know he has the accuracy, or whether it's Anthony Richardson and he can never get over that hump, and he is just a mobile quarterback with a great athleticism, but he can never quite get over that hump. I'm not putting Will Levis in because he's a second-round pick. I mean, he's the easiest one to say. But you got it. You have to draft quarterbacks. You just have to draft quarterbacks. Send in your text. What's the best nickname for a Longhorn this year? Also, uh, rest in peace to Terry Funk. If you have any uh, great wrestlers, who's your favorite wrestler that made you believe it was real? Terry Funk had a great quote that goes, basically, I can't, I can't make him believe in wrestling, but I can make him believe in me. That's what Terry Funk was amazing. He passed away today. Uh, but, yeah, just one of the best ever. It's always crazy to go through the top, the, the Mount Rushmore of just Texas wrestlers, how many great wrestlers are just from Texas. But if you've got any uh, fun wrestling stuff you want to text in, do that as well, 512-337-3776. We'll get into that. When we come back, we're going to do uh, – we got a little bit more – Longhorn sound we can try and get to. we got some Mike McCarthy sound we're going to get to. We will keep it rolling along right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.